Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. Even Jesus said, hey, Dad, if there's another way you can do this, can we do it another way? Even Jesus asked God for another way. So we can honestly say that even Jesus said, hey, wait a minute, this hurts. This is going to be painful. So if our Savior understands that moment, then he's going to understand your questions, your pain, your your frustration, your anger. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. I am so excited about today's conversation because I really feel like the Lord led it and I had no plan for it at all, Uh, but it is a really unique conversation. I have my friend Wendy Pope with me. Say hello, Wendy. Hey, everyone. And Wendy and I were actually having a conversation uh, for a previous episode. In fact, it was episode 82 uh, that was titled Connecting with God Every Day. And I interviewed Wendy for that. She joined me for that conversation about uh, ways to connect with God on a regular basis. And before we pressed record, Wendy and I were just catching up on life with each other. And we were talking about, I was talking about losing my my father and she was talking about losing her parents. And we just started talking about lessons learned and things we wish we knew. And before you know it, I mean, we just found a kindred spirit in each other and a desire to help other people walk through that situation better equipped than we were. Right, Wendy? Absolutely. I was very (laughs) ill-equipped. Yeah. And so by the time we were ready to record the real conversation, we said, you know what? We should just consider doing a future episode on things we wish we would have known before caring for and losing a parent and everything that you need to do to help your kids to when someday they may have to help you or they may lose you. I mean, they will lose you at some point, you know, that's, uh, that's what happens to life. And so we, um, we started talking about it. We've had several conversations to kind of outline our thoughts. And today we are not coming to you as authors and speakers, we're coming to you as women who have Mm -hmm. walked through this very real part of the life journey. And we just want to share 
uh, with you from our journey, things that we really do wish we would have known to help you um, on your journey as well. So this may be an episode that doesn't apply to you in this very moment. Um, It would be good for you to listen so that, you know, you think it doesn't apply to you, but let me tell you, it applies to you. It applies to everyone. It applies really fast. It it comes up when you don't expect it. Exactly. So it's good for everyone to listen and archive it. Save it for later too. Exactly. And the other thing is that there are things you need to be doing now, things that Wendy and I bumped up against in helping our parents that uh, made things more difficult for those that were left behind. So there are things that we're going to talk about that you need to do now to Mm -hmm. uh, position yourself uh, for someday when you're not here on this earth and other people um, will need to do the follow-up like what we mm-hmm. had to do as well. So um, again, it, you may not think it applies to you now. I encourage you to listen all the way through, educate yourself. And like Wendy said, archive it, know that it's here and uh, you can always come back to it as well. So Wendy, why don't you share your story of what you've walked through with your mom and your dad and uh, just an overview and then I'll share mine and and that gives people context for what we're going to be talking about. Sure, sure. Well, I was speaking at Texas. Um, My mom was 82. So it was probably, let's see, I'm not mathing. I'm not going to try to do the math. Many years ago, (laughs) got a call, got the call that nobody wants to hear when they're out of town. Your mom's had a stroke. And, um, blessing um, that I wasn't there because I was at that point beginning to come into uh, caring for um, giving rides to my parents. If they, they could still drive, I felt comfortable taking them to the doctor's office, that kind of thing. I was taking more of a leadership role, but the blessing was I wasn't there. So my brother had to jump in. So it was really neat how God ordained that. I stayed at my speaking event. He assured me that it wasn't a life and death situation. If it was, I would have hopped on the plane to come back home, um, stayed there and um, finished my speaking event, came home. And that was really the beginning conversation of, okay, we need to start putting some things into place. And we'll get into the weeds of that as the conversation Mm -hmm. goes on. But it started in her early eighties. My dad was in his mid eighties. Um, when we started having these conversations and it took a stroke and it was a mild stroke, but it took that jolt of life to go, wait mm-hmm. a minute, you need to start this. And this is at this place, my brother and I were like, man, we really should have gotten into some of these things prior to this. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we are in our conversation today and helping everyone is we wish we would have started this sooner. And, you know, fast forward to last year, my mom passed away in April of um, liver cancer. And then Mm. we had no idea that shortly four months later, my father would pass away. And in the middle of all that, my mother-in-law would pass away. So we Mm. lost three, um, our parents, my husband's parent, a father has been deceased been in heaven. I don't want to say lost them because we know where they are Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, in heaven. So having that jolt back in the early eighties with my mom's health helped really get us in line for the urgency of everything that happened within four months for both me and my husband, actually. Um, So that's kind of 
just a quick overview and then we'll dig deeper into things as, as they, you know, as our conversation progresses, but that's where it all started with that right. back in the early 80s. My mother, not 80s years, but her 80s and her 80s. Yeah. Right. Right. And for me in August of 2019, well, I would say in 2018, my, my father's health was starting to, uh, really deteriorate. Uh, he had uh, diabetes and he managed his diabetes well, but um, it was, uh, I would say the last year of his life, he just started to have a lot more issues, uh, keeping his blood sugar levels steady. And then he also had several heart conditions and uh, he was starting to have these heart spells that he would have. And my mom got to the point where she didn't feel comfortable leaving him alone. And so I started making, um, I live in Illinois. My parents live in Indiana. I started making more regular trips over there. My sister lived very close to them. So she was kind of carrying the brunt. There's three of us girls and, um, another sister lived quite a bit farther away. And so I started making a lot more trips just to give my mom some relief and let her, she loved, um, she's in women's ministry in her church and she liked to go to retreats and things like that. So I'd go over, stay with dad. Mom would go to the retreats. I started kind of helping him with his taxes too. And, you know, that just, it seemed like he was delaying them every year. And I realized he's, a little more overwhelmed with it. Like my dad was on top of everything, but it was starting oh, to overwhelm him. And so um, a couple of years earlier, I had noticed that. And I was like, Hey, do you want me to just come over and help you get your taxes ready? And he said, yes. And so thankfully, because I had been doing that, I had an idea of where some of the things were, how he ran his finances, that kind of a thing. But anyway, I lost my father at the end of August of 2019 and really spent a lot of time, I would say the four to five months after my dad passed away, spent a lot of time helping my mother sort through the paperwork that happens after somebody passes away, which we'll get into in our conversation as well. And some of that paperwork is complicated if things aren't set up ahead of time, which is part of what Wendy and I, (laughs) as you and I have talked, Wendy, it's just like, wow. Yeah, it's easier to learn it and do it on the front end than on the back end when there's such an urgency on the back end. There really is. And sometimes on the back end, it becomes super complicated. Uh-huh. And um, and it's much easier if you do it on the front end. So mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll explain what we're talking about um, with some specific examples on that as well. But bottom line, today we want to raise your awareness of planning for the future. That's really what we want to do. We mm-hmm. want to raise your awareness of planning for the future. And we want to talk through it through the eyes of your future and through the eyes of helping your parents with their future. Because honestly, we all need to be thinking about both. Again, we are not experts on this topic. We are two daughters who are simply speaking from and sharing our experiences and caring for our aging parents and becoming more aware of things that we can do to help our kids someday. That's our really our goal today. And, is, and Jill, is you and that. I are not talking from people who have 
huge bank accounts and stocks and all this stuff. We're talking about just, this is the simple, you know, a lot yep. of times people think of, oh, well, my parents only have this little bit of money or they just have this one house or they just have this. We're not talking about millionaires here. We're talking nope. about just everyday, everyday people. Joes and Jills that need <laughs> to get these things together. Um, so don't think, oh, well, they only have this little bit. It won't be a big deal. It really is a big deal. Right. Really is. And both of our parents were in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we they didn't have a ton, it, but there's still a lot of details that need to be taken care of. Right. So I know when it comes to helping parents, my parents probably 10 or 15 years ago, one time when I was, uh, I think all of us girls were at the house, which was so rare because I had a sister at that point that lived in Oklahoma. My other sister did live locally in uh, the Indianapolis area where my parents were and still are. My mother is still there. And then I was in town and I remember my dad saying, hey, I want to show you guys where our will is. And I want to show you guys where our power of attorney papers and our basic estate planning paperwork is. And and I think at that point, I think they may have just had a will. Eventually, they did have a trust. I think that they just, you know, had a will at that point. And um, but it was just a matter of he took us to a file cabinet And he said, this is where it is. And he also said, we've thought through and if something happens to us or we become unable to make decisions, Jill, I want you to play this role. Julie, I want you to play this role. Jackie, I want you to play this role. So they had thought through what they wanted because, well, my sister Jackie has a degree in gerontology. So, you know, she specializes in older people. My sister Julie is a physical therapist. So they're more on the medical side of things. Me, not on the medical side of things. So they didn't assign (laughs) me anything medical. (laughs) I think my sister had like the medical power of attorney. And I think, you know, I, I was dealing more with the financial side of things. And so anyway, I was really grateful for that, that, you know, at least they kind of opened the door. I would say just cracked open the door. They didn't really Mm -hmm. tell us much more than that, but they just cracked open the door so that at least we knew where basic papers were. Mm -hmm. So what about you, Wendy? Did you have an experience like that? Yeah, it's funny because you said filing cabinet. Um, I think every older like late eighties had the metal metal filing cabinet in the office. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> my parents had, had uh, done a little bit of what you had, what you mentioned. They had done their will. They mm-hmm. had done a power of attorney. They had uh, created a family trust and, and we, you and I aren't going to get into the legal differences in terms of all of that. We just encourage you mm-hmm. to, to seek out a, an attorney that deals in senior law. Um, Mm -hmm. There are special attorneys that do that. But anyways, they had done all that right after I had gotten married. So I knew that I was the executor of everything um, prior to my mom's stroke. So I knew that. But honestly, they had just handed me a packet of papers. I didn't even look at them. I, I just carried them from house to house. Wherever we moved, they went in the safe. So I knew I had them there. But at the time of my mom's stroke, as I said in, in the introduction, my brother and I were like, okay, so we need to kind of sit down and, and 
have a conversation with them um, about where some of the other things are that we need to know. Um, Yes. House title, car title, insurance information, Medicare information, all of those things. And we eased into the conversation. We really did. We prayed a lot about it, how to, and we didn't have this conversation the day my mom came home from her, from the hospital. Sure. Uh, We just didn't do that. It, there were emotions were heightened. We were all sleep deprived. Um, it was not a healthy time to have this conversation. My brother and I spent the month there taking care of them, sleeping uh, at their home. And after she passed through um, uh, occupational therapy and physical therapy, and we could kind of see, okay, she's bounced back. Let's have this mm-hmm. conversation. And so we did, we sat around our table and we said, okay, so this has been a wake up call for, for Wes, that's my brother, for Wes and I, and we want to ease into this conversation of what your wishes are. What, what do you want? How do you mm-hmm. want to finish your, your journey here? We want to help you finish well, not that you're finishing today, but this has mm-hmm. made us aware of we're on the countdown kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And we came up with three things that we used as a baseline, a plumb line for every decision we made for them. Um, mm-hmm. And that we included them. I don't want to say we were their boss at all. And when you're, and let me just kind of as a side, you definitely have to approach the fact that they are your parents. Um, sure. They still want to be independent. It, it, it really hurts them when they have to depend on us. Um, and so it's teaching me a lot of how I want to be with my children, of how my parents were with me. They didn't want me to have to do things for them. Um, so you just have to walk into this so gently. But mm-hmm. the three things that we were, were our plumb line, and we all four agreed on it, was the first, are you and dad safe in the home okay. that you're in? Mm-hmm. Number two, are you healthy? You know, are, are, are you getting enough nutrition? Um, mm-hmm. Are you making meals or are you able to make meals or are you eating Lance crackers for lunch and supper? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the third thing is, are you financially able to stay here? And gotcha. so we started with those questions and because we frequently, it it's really like a child almost. And I hate to say that, but that's what it is with a child. You repeat things for them to remember it. So at that point, every time that any kind of question came up about insurance or Medicare, it was time to renew Medicare, those kinds of things we would say, okay, are you healthy? Mm -hmm. Are you safe? Do we have, what's the money looking like? And it was at this point that we did put myself and my brother on the bank accounts so -hmm. that I could start online banking just to watch what my mother was doing. She was still Mm -hmm. writing checks and still paying the bills, but I could see what Mm -hmm. was coming in and what was going out. And it was a few years after that, that I noticed she was double paying things, Mm -hmm. you know, missing a payment on this. So because I had my eye on the outside, she didn't know what I was doing. I just set up the online account because I was on it and I could see, and that really helped us ease into deeper conversations as needed without going, look, you didn't pay a bill. Look, 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 we could very gently say, okay, let's 
see how we can do this a little bit different. Mm -hmm. It made those conversations a lot easier by starting with those three things. Are you healthy? Are you safe? And can you afford to stay there? Those were our plumb lines. I love that. And I don't think after we had that initial conversation, we ever, with my parents, that we ever like sat down and had another conversation. We just were almost doing it as needed. It was like whatever was needed, we were just stepping in and asking if they would like some help with something, you know, just kind of almost like same thing when I said, you know, I said to dad, do you, would you like some help with your taxes? And I honestly thought he might tell me no. I mean, he wasn't unwilling. Now I'm sure that some people listening are like, I can't even imagine my parents being open to having a conversation like that. Yes, you do probably have to tread carefully with some personalities. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, you know, as they get older, their personality might change a little bit. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you know, if they're not healthy, if they're not safe, and if they don't have the finances, sometimes you, the roles do reverse and you have to call the shots. And that's, that is a tough conversation. We've never had to do that on our end, but I do remember when my father had to do it with his parents. And, um, I know that that was not easy. So yeah, they didn't like it. Mine didn't like it. I had to have the hard part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. And you used, when you and I were talking ahead of time, you used the term baby steps. You taking Mm -hmm. baby steps into the conversation in each phase of transition that you walked Mm -hmm. through. So this isn't like you get, you have one conversation and things are decided. No, you're just taking Mm -hmm. lots of little baby steps, right? Absolutely. And in that, that initial conversation, after my mom had bounced back from that stroke, we, when we were talking about these three questions that we came up with, we were like, okay, so we don't even know what your social security is each month. We don't know what retirement's coming in. You know, can you help us understand what your finances are? We're not mm-hmm. trying to take over. We don't, we're, we just are trying to get a handle on things. And at that point, they both were really willing to go, well, this is what we bring in. This is how much our electric bill. This is how much our cable bill is. This is how much. So, you know, on the front end of that, when we were entering into it, it was an easier conversation. But as we, as they got older and needed m- us more, the conversation got harder, especially for my mom, because the home is a woman's domain. And Mm. so she really had a hard time with that. But also, fortunately, and unfortunately, my mother had that stroke, but we were at that point then taking her to her doctor's appointments. So Mm -hmm. we had already started doing that because of the stroke. We were, we Mm -hmm. were having to do that. So that helped us ease ease into the medical into the medical world, into the health, and to get on their HIPAA papers and and all of that, that helped a lot. So yeah. though we didn't want that stroke, it was a blessing to open up many conversations and to let us get our foot in the door to those baby steps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and we were doing the same. You know, I was either my sister or I was going to doctor appointments. And the good thing about that too is, you know, we became familiar with their doctors. They knew Mm -hmm. who we were. And so that was really helpful um, as well. So if you don't have a good relationship with your parent, Wendy, do you have any, any wisdom for that? Because I'm sure that there are some that, uh, you know, may be in a situation like that. 
Yeah, that's that's tough. I believe in bathing everything in prayer. Yep. And I agree. And I believe God's word to be true. And I believe that when we live it out, as difficult as it is, that it will be blessed. And God is very clear that we are to honor our mother and our father. He doesn't say if they were nice to you, you honor them. He says, honor them. So I believe if you don't have a good relationship with your parents, then you start with prayer and say, Mm -hmm. God, dad was abusive to us or mom was an alcoholic or mom left us and dad was alone to raise us. And now he's gone. And you want me to take care of a mom who didn't take care of me? The answer is going to be yes. And you just say, I don't really want to do that, God. But your word is asking me or telling me to do that. Mm -hmm. And I need your help. This is not a burden that's too heavy for our God. He put this in place in his word. And it is something that he will fulfill and manifest in us if we ask for his help. And here's the thing that in, in every relationship, Jill, we're responsible for our actions and our obedience to God, not someone else's action. You may, yep. your mom or your dad, your parent may be slamming the door in your face every time. They may mm-hmm. refuse your phone calls, but you're only responsible for yourself and what God has asked you to do. And he's asked yep. us to honor our parents. So that sounds really simplistic. It sounds like a Sunday school answer, but coming from a a woman who believes and lives God's manifested word in her life, everything that he says is true. And it may take a while, but I can tell you when the door is opened, when the phone is answered, there's going to be such a beautiful time of healing and um, just reconnecting that hopefully God can heal that before that parent leaves this earth. That's the best I've got is God's yeah. word. Well, and let me tell you, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I saw my dad live that out. So when his parents, my, my father's father was really deteriorating. And I remember he kept saying he wanted to live in a nursing home. He did not want to live at mm. the house anymore. And my mama wasn't going to have it. My uh, grandfather called my dad and said, I want you to find me a nursing home to live in where they will care for my medical needs. Mom's not, she's not happy about that, but this is what I want. So my dad did. And I can remember the day that he went over to move my grandfather out. And my mama was so angry as you can imagine. So he's fulfilling my thought, my grandfather's will, because my grandfather was in a wheelchair. He was an amputee. He knew that they were not capable of caring for themselves anymore. And that Mm -hmm. she wasn't able to care care for him the way that she needed to. And um, my mama slammed the, the door in my dad's as my dad took my grandpa out and the window broke, the window broke in the door. And, and she told my dad, don't you ever come here again? I mean, it was mean. She was, you know, she was, this was not her. This was not her. You just, you know, this was not the way that she operated, but she was very hurt and wounded in this whole thing. So my dad took my grandfather, got him settled at the nursing home, came back, and put new glass and cleaned up the glass and put new glass in the window. I think he cleaned up some of that glass before he had left, but came back, replaced it. And 
I mean, he just acted out of love. He did not return animosity. Uh So he was living out God's word and that call to honor his mother, Uh uh, even though she was lashing out at him. And every week he showed up and he mowed their grass until it got to the place where she was no longer safe and healthy to be living on her own. And she ended up at the same nursing home as my grandfather. I really saw that lived out, you know, so I, I just... I think that that's important that we understand the principle, but we even have an illustration of that principle. Yeah, and you you really have to take when you're going to get to the point, friends, that you're going to have to try your best to take the emotion out of it, just like your dad did. He took the emotion out of it and he obeyed God and he cared for his mom out of his love for God, but also out of his love for his mom and didn't let the emotional side dictate what God had commanded him to do. And it's hard. It's not easy. It's hard. But God will sustain you because you're doing what he asked you to do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So on the front end, uh, there are some really important things that will help a journey like this. And this is what Wendy and I were talking about, um, where our parents started. We started this conversation that my parents initiated in Wendy's case, her parents, you know, they had the conversation around the table and, and Wendy and her brother initiated it. But bottom line, where are all the important papers? Where are all the important papers, right? And so Mm -hmm. what are we talking about? We're talking about titles to house, titles to cars, titles to properties. Where are those papers? We're talking about insurance policies. Where are those papers? Health insurance. Life insurance and health. Yeah. Mm, Yes. Uh, yes. Life insurance, health insurance, Medicare information. If they have prepaid burial, if uh, they have prepaid burial plots or services, do you know where that is? Do you know where the paperwork is on that? Wendy mentioned bank records. So where do they do their banking? Where's their checkbook and savings account information? You know, there are things that, I mean, we, you just need to know those basic things. Power mm-hmm. of attorney. Um, do they have a medical power of attorney, a financial power of attorney, a durable power of attorney? Do the hospitals already have those power of attorney copies? And they're going to have to have them. Your hospital's going to yep. have to have them. All financial investments. If there's any type of uh, investments, IRAs, stocks, anything like that. And then wills. Is Do they have a will? Is there a family trust? Is an executor named? Is there a living will with end of life directives? Those are some initial things that are really helpful to know. And I would say, no matter how old you are, somebody mm-hmm. needs to know those things or mm-hmm. some, some, in some way they need to be organized because that's what we found is that there's just a lot of, there's a lot of details. So all of this helped Mark and I, we recently updated our will. So we probably had not done a will in 30 years. So we had done a will 30 years ago that, you know, named someone to care for our children if something had happened to us. Um, And quite frankly, we didn't even have a relationship with the person that was anymore, a relationship with the person that was named in that. So it was so outdated. And so we were like, oh, we really need to update this. So we did, um, we recently did that. And in doing that, 
we put together, well, our lawyer um, that we worked with put together something called the everything book. And all of those things are in our everything book. I love that idea, Jill. I love it. Well, and I wish that, you know, it's funny because um, I actually did a blog post several years ago because my friend Jody had actually pulled together an everything book for their daughters. They had three daughters and Jody and her husband probably in their mid sixties at the time that they pulled this together and they put all of that and they gave it to their kids for Christmas. Sounds like an odd Christmas present, doesn't it? But she said that she was giving them the gift of peace of mind. Uh, And I loved that. So uh I had already started assembling an everything book for our kids. But then when our lawyer did it, it really, I mean, we like took it to a whole new level. So that is super helpful if you can help your parents assemble an everything book. If you can assemble one now for yourself, it makes such a difference. And there's a couple of other things in preparation that can make a big difference too, that we learned about in our recent conversation with the lawyer is to make sure that your children's names, assuming that your children's are your beneficiaries. Okay. So whoever are your beneficiaries, but you make sure that they're on all bank accounts and then that just bypasses. It, it bypasses the the need for any type of going through a legal process. So we recently put all of our kids' names as beneficiaries on our bank accounts. Now, they don't have access to them right now, but if something were to happen to both of us, then they would... So we're beneficiaries for each other. So I'm Mark's beneficiary, he's mine. But then if something happens to both of us, then whatever's in our bank accounts automatically goes to the kids. And that was something that we had not set up. Exactly. Right upon death, that that money that's in your accounts will go to your children. It will not be counted in the estate. It doesn't have to go into probate. Yes. And it also lets you get access to the money right as a parent passes because you need cash in your hand. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you have access to that money. Um, because mm-hmm. your name's on the account. It's called be- beneficiary upon death or something like that. Yeah. But Payable on death, something called. like yeah. that. You're, yeah. you're a bank exactly. will know what you're talking about. We recently uh, did that and it just makes life easier um, because that was the other thing when my, you know, I wasn't prepared for. And like you said, we'll talk about more, but you, you do. It, when death happens, you need money right away. You need money to pay a funeral home. And uh, having access like that makes all the difference in the world. So, and then for us, we don't have enough to warrant doing a trust. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough property to warrant a trust. So we just have a simple will and our uh, lawyer helped us with that. And we recently met with all of our kids on Zoom and walked them through the will, all of the things that they needed to know that they are beneficiaries on the accounts, all of that kind of stuff. We walked them through that um, because, I mean, we hope they don't need that for a long time. I'm 58, Mark 62. And we hope that we still have, you know, quite a bit of time ahead of us. But none of us are Mm -hmm. promised tomorrow. No, we're not. Absolutely. Jill, didn't you tell me y'all did a digital copy of all of that as well? Like there's a, a, you have a book, but then everything's digital and that you have like some super cool spreadsheet that you have everything outlined on. (laughs) Yes. You got it together, girl. (laughs) 
Yeah, so the they gave it to us um, both as a physical book and a digital. So now, of course, we had to add in like the other insurance policies and things like that. And we had to digitize those. And I'm still doing that. I, ha- I don't have all of that in the in the digital format. But in general, yes. Um, and I think that's important. Kids oh, can be yeah. all over the place. So yes. to have digital access to it. And then the person that is the executor of our estate um, is our brother-in-law. Uh, so my sister's husband is who we named. And he has a digital copy as well as a hard copy of mm-hmm. all of that as well. Yeah. So that is something that you can do now. You can make an everything book what a difference it makes. And then the spreadsheet that you're talking about. So when my dad passed away, he had all of his online passwords stuffed into a a hanging file. And some of them didn't even have like what website it was for. I mean, it was, (laughs) it was like putting together a puzzle. So I created an Excel spreadsheet and, um, that Excel spreadsheet is one that I have and my mother has. And my I also have all of us, my sisters and I all have access to it to help my mom with any of the business side of life. So it's got her websites that she uses, the username, the password, the security questions, any notes about the account, all in one place. And then I came home and did the same thing for us. So um, I have created that in an Excel spreadsheet that we're going to put in the show notes for this episode. And it's just an empty one if you want to utilize that for yourself uh, as well. Um, just it helps you to think through all the things that you want to be keeping track of. And, and they can be easily shared. We share it uh, using an online spreadsheet. So if my mom makes a change on her end, I see it on my end. If I make a change on my end, she can see it on her end. So we're, we're utilizing that in a way that we keep it up to date. So those are the things ahead of time that need to be done. And if you're talking with your parent, Wendy, you said this earlier, you want to assure them that you're not taking their money. You're not doing anything like that. You are preparing for the coming days and you're just helping to prepare them to finish well. Yeah, that's exactly. We use that phrase a lot. We want you to finish well. We want you to finish the way that you want to finish. That's why in that initial conversation, we said, you know, what do y'all, what, what, what do you want? My mother was like, I want to die right here in my own house, in my bed. My dad was like, I want the coroner to come and get me. I want to die right here in this house. This is where we raised our family. This is where I loved your mom. And this is where I want to be. And so we, we had that conversation and, and it really, it helped us go back to that initial conversation. Well, this is, so we kept going back to that. So that's how important it is. And, and saying, dad, okay, so I know this doesn't, this next phase that we're going to be talking about in our conversation, it doesn't get easier. As they get older, it gets more difficult. So that's why mm-hmm. it's good to have that conversation and those key talking points that you carry with you. We want you to finish well. My parents lived yes. at 50, 55, 53 Elsinore Place. That's where I was lived when I was two years old. And we just sold it last year. My parents lived there. My dad built that house. And that's what we would say. We want you to stay at 55, 53 Elsinore Place. This Mm -hmm. is what, this is our goal. You wanted to finish well. This is, and we tried to use not the word remember because at this point, when we went into this next phase, um, Mm -hmm. we didn't use that word remember. 
We just Mm -hmm. repeated things because they didn't remember. And it was very frustrating and heartbreaking to them. So we would say, we want you to, we want to help you finish well. And everything tried to be as positive as possible. Um, There were a couple things before we leave this uh, kind of things to prepare. There's a couple things we ran into that I want to make sure that people kind of have their I's dotted and their T's crossed. Put both names on all bank accounts. Yes. Like you will run in, like we ran into some issues where only dad's name was on an account. Well, then... And mom wasn't necessarily named as that beneficiary. So then, oh my goodness, you just get into all kinds of legal craziness. So there, so make sure it, that both names are on all bank accounts for yourself, uh, for you and your spouse, if you're married and for your parents. And Jill, can I pause you that right there for just a second? Also on titles, if like, One car was in my mom's name. One was in my dad's name. That can create legal havoc when you're trying to get it changed to the other spouse that's still living. So if you can get someone added to that, that's good. And also one step further is, and maybe you're going to bring this up, is the idea of credit cards. My mom had credit cards with her name on it. My dad had credit cards with his name on it. Well, neither one of them, I couldn't get information, pay a bill, or anything because I wasn't on there. So those are things that you don't think about until your parents are, are have moved to heaven. And you're thinking, I've got to cancel my mom's JC Penney card. Well, you have to send a death certificate Mm -hmm. having on the front end. If you had put yourself on there, it's not a big deal. So anyways, so just, I would agree. I would absolutely agree. And the other thing that happened is my dad, I, I think my mom and dad had, let's say maybe five credit cards. Four of them were in my dad's name. My mom had one. Once somebody dies, and if they're the only account holder, those accounts are shut down and they're put into collections. They're going to collect from the estate. And we weren't prepared for that. In fact, when we found that out, um, after we left for a trip, my, my father had passed away. And two days after he passed away, we were supposed to go to Florida with my parents. Like Mark and I were supposed to take my parents to Florida. And then my dad unexpectedly passed away. And about four days after the funeral, I said to my mom, you know, mom, we could still go to Florida. And she said, I hadn't even thought about that. And I said, it's up to you. It's a hundred percent up to you. And she um, made the decision she wanted to go and later told me that was the best decision. She felt like she was able to grieve and, and heal just being away from the house, getting Uh down into a place that was uh, just very peace filled for her. But as we were literally driving, uh, we were canceling, we were calling to update credit cards And we found out very quickly that the minute you say that the cardholder has died, they shut the account down. So had she not had one credit card in her name, she would have had no credit cards at all. And so because the minute they found out he died, it was it was gone. Um, it goes into co- collections and boy, I wasn't ready for the word collections either because I was like, mm-hmm. you don't need to go into collections. They'll pay the, they'll pay it off, you know, whatever it was on it. But that's just the terminology um, that they do upon death of a card holder. So um, I was so glad that my mom had that one credit card in her name because if not, suddenly she would have not had access. And that was how they were used to doing their business. So put credit cards in both names if you can, or 
make sure that each of each person has a credit card. Um, and this can apply to you now. You know, it's very possible that everything's in one person's name and you're not thinking about what might happen down the road. Here's another thing that we found. Mom and dad used the same login information to log into their online banking. And it was based upon my father's social security number. Well, once it was Mm -hmm. indicated that he had passed away, it shut down her login. So Mark and I had always done that. We had always used the same login and we found out, no, you need to have separate logins into the same bank account. Perfect. Yep. Just little things like that, Mm -hmm. that we were not prepared for. Um, You've already mentioned it, put household bills and accounts in both names. And if you're helping them out, get your name on a parent's accounts, if they're willing to do that, because then you can do business on their behalf. Here's another one. Check your beneficiaries on life insurance policies. This happened to us. My dad had a life insurance policy that had been issued with his very first job before he was ever married. And he still had that thing when he passed away at 84. And it had never had my mother added as a beneficiary. Wow. It was a total oversight, total oversight. Um, And so check all your accounts, all of your life insurance policies and make sure that who you want as a beneficiary is, is um, on there because you would think that the trust would have covered that. It didn't. Uh-uh. It didn't at all. And we had to go to all kinds of legal issues. They actually had to get a lawyer to keep it out of probate for mom to get the benefits from that life insurance policy. And that could have been taken care of so easily had that been checked out ahead of time. And, and these made experts sure. are not all in the same building. <laughs> Even if, <laughs> right. uh, and you have to go to the clerk of courts in this town. And if you don't live in their town, you have to go to their clerk of courts in the town that they lived in or the yes. town where their accounts are. I mean, it is, it is, oh my goodness, had we just known all this? <laughs> yes. It, right. <laughs> and so these, this is why we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like, make sure of these things because it will just simplify life in the future. Uh, completely. Um, make sure you have a password document that includes security questions. That we, that's what we talked about. And then create a list of all bills and how they're paid. And again, that's what that spreadsheet also has on it. So those were things that I wish I would have known uh, would have made our life so much easier. And hopefully that'll be helpful as well. So that's what we wish we would have known ahead of time. All right. So Just so you know, and I should have said this right up front, this is probably the longest podcast episode I will ever have. (laughs) We talked about doing it in in several episodes and we decided, you know what, let's just make it one big long episode. People can, you know, bookmark it and they can listen to the parts that apply to them. But that's what we decided to do. It's just one big long episode as we talk about this. So these that we've just been talking about are the basic first steps in being equipped to help your parents or in equipping your kids for the future uh, or somebody to help you and to Uh take care of things after you're no longer here. So let's now 
turn the corner and let's say that mom and dad's health is declining or age is starting to take a toll, which is what you particularly have been talking about here, Wendy, what you walked through. What about some next step conversations that need to happen? So let's talk about that now. Well, I will say this is something that you can kind of do on the down low um, that we ended up doing. And it seemed like an invasion of privacy at the time, but we're glad that we did. But we videotaped a lot of our conversations that we had with our parents Um, because of we wanted to make sure that when that we heard things right. It was just a measure of security for us. And also my brother at times would go back and I never did because it was always on his phone, but he would go back and play. Mom, we talked about this. This is what you and dad said. So we could go back and say, we're not making this up because at this point, your, your, my parents, at least more so my mom, as I mentioned earlier than my dad got very defensive about the fact that she could no longer take care of her home and her husband. It was a dignity thing for her. It was a pride thing for her. And she would say, I can take care of my home and my husband. She would use those words. And this is where you have to go, mom. We had these conversations with them. We would say, okay, let's look at the three questions. Are you safe? Are you healthy? Do we have the money? For you to stay here. And Mm -hmm. the biggest question at this point for them was, are they safe as far as driving? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. after mom's stroke, she was adamant she was going to get back in the car. She's, I'm going to drive. I'm going to be independent. And we kept saying, well, as soon as Dr. Harvey releases you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you can get Mm -hmm. back in the car. We we put it off on Dr. Harvey. He did not mind. He did not mind at all. And um, they actually have a driver's test, at least in the state of North Carolina, that a stroke patient has to pass before they can get their license to be, mm. be cleared by a doctor to, yeah. to drive again. And um, I went ahead and paid for my mom to take that test. Dr. Harvey advised us to do this. He said, I don't think she's going to pass it, yeah. but she needs to do it. Sure. And when I went to shut take her that day to take that test, she had had a really bad morning of just memory struggles, um, getting ready. She had rheumatoid arthritis. She was in a lot of pain. And I just said, you know, mom, you don't have to do this today. Why don't mm-hmm. we reschedule? What day mm-hmm. looks good to you? And I got her big calendar out that we put everything on that they kept on their table. Let's just pick a day that looks best for you for another day. You don't have to go today. And she said, I, I'll do it later. Never came up again. Mm. It put the power back in her hands. Yep. It also put the power in the doctor's hands. And yes. I looked like I was the great daughter going, we'll go whenever you want to go kind of thing. Yep. And that's what yep. you want to try to do at this point when you have these conversations is you want to, it's not mom, you can't drive to the doctor anymore or dad, mm. I don't feel safe with you driving anymore. Now you might have to eventually say that. And we sure. did with my father, but we eased into that phase by saying, Hey, you know what? I have not had lunch with you in a really long time. I would like to take you to get a matlock. And my dad loved hot dogs and he loved the matlock show with Andy Griffith. And so Mm. whenever they had hot dogs at home, they called him a matlock. 
And I said, why don't I take you to your neurologist and we'll stop and get a matlock. They thought that was the greatest thing ever that I had chosen to spend time with them, that I was spending lunch with them. It was a couple hours out of my day. They had, and maybe they were the wiser. I don't know. They never acted like it, but it wasn't, I'm going to rush over here and take you to the doctor really quick and bring you back. I had to change my mindset and my parents then became the priority above even my adult children. Mm -hmm. And that's hard as moms. We, you know, well, our family's first, our family's first. But what my, my kids saw, Jill, is they saw me as you did. You saw your dad caring for your mom. My parent, my kids saw me caring for my parents. So Mm -hmm. I lived out what your dad lived out in Mm -hmm. front of you. I'm living, live that out in front of my parents. And it just got to be where it was a more natural thing because when when you leave the doctor, you make an appointment for the next Mm -hmm. visit. Well, yeah. I scheduled the appointment on my calendar when I yep. knew I could take them. Yep, I did the same. <laughs> and they never knew. It was just like, oh, okay. I would go home. I would write it on their big calendar so they would know when their appointment was. And then I got to where I would be getting calls a few days before. Are you coming to take to me to see such and such, so-and-so, or am I going by myself? I said, oh, I just happen to have that day free. I think I'll come and take you if you don't mind. Well, of course mm-hmm. they don't mind. They want mm-hmm. to see us. So as much as you can ease into that conversation early on, it really becomes a very natural way of the next phase becomes very natural, easing into it. Like I said, for my dad, it was easier than it was for my mom. Mm -hmm. We noticed that my dad and mom were losing weight, not significant, and they were in good health, at least Mm -hmm. the first year. My mom, we did find out, had liver cancer, which was the cause for her loss of weight. But we realized they really weren't eating that good. So my sister-in-law and I Mm. started preparing meals and would take them over there and freeze them or Mm -hmm. either once a week take several things and they could just heat them in the microwave. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it became where they really weren't on the stove that much. They were just heating things up in the microwave and we were providing the meals as much as possible or with DoorDash and the mm-hmm. things right now, um, Grubhub, yep. you can send food to mm-hmm. them um, yep. and their appetites are not as big as they used to be. So they could eat on a plate of seafood for probably a day or a couple meals, right? Yeah. And I would add meals on wheels. Um, You know, if there's meals on wheels in the area, I delivered meals on wheels for years. My mom delivered meals on wheels. So that's a great way to also get uh, healthy food into their home on a regular basis. Absolutely. This is a time too, Jill, when my parents, my dad was really good at taking his medication. My mom, not so much. And Mm -hmm. so this is when we started, um, Right after my mom's stroke, actually, I started putting her medicine in the little, I bought yep. months at a time, like an A, I had, I had the first through the 16th AM mm-hmm. and PM, and then the 17th through the 31st AM and PM. And um, I knew at this point what they were taking. I had already mm-hmm. met their pharmacist because I had gone with them. I knew all of those things. Mom got to the point where it was really hard for her to swallow pills. 
Um, when you're, when you get older, your throat starts closing up a little bit and it, you really do um, have to chew your food or, or break it up a little bit more when you're chewing it or when you're fixing mm-hmm. it so you can swallow it. So I started crushing my mom's medication and mm. all she would have to do is pour it in warm tea. Again, I cleared all of this with the pharmacist and with the doctor to make sure the medications could be mixed that way and could be crushed. And they all could, not all mm-hmm. can. Maybe, you know, if you're thinking about this, maybe your mom doesn't like tea or your dad doesn't like tea, put it in applesauce or yeah. yogurt or something mm-hmm. like that. But I really was on top of their medications. Also, mm-hmm. at this point, I had to write notes for my mom, put them on the microwave. Don't leave the kitchen before you take your medicine or smile. Have you taken your medicine today? I had to put notes everywhere because I couldn't be there at all times. And at this point, we hadn't brought in care. And that worked again. It's constantly, it's like with a child, something's going to work for a little while, but it's not going to work for long. So we had to constantly be changing up things about what worked and what didn't work. Yeah, we set alarms on my dad's phone. Very good. Um, Yep. So it was a daily alarm that would go off at like 9 a.m. and then at you know, 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. to remind him to take his meds. You know, that was helpful as well. Well, it was like I would I would call my mom in the morning to remind her to take her medicine. And then my brother would call in the evening to talk to them and he would have her take, oh, I've taken it. I've taken it. Well, then we would go over for an appointment and realize, oh, no, she hasn't taken her medicine for three mornings. Mm-hmm. That's when we noticed a big change in her, her, her demeanor and everything. Um, and instead of fussing at her, we just said, okay, let's sit down and have this conversation. My brother came over. He lives uh, 45 minutes in the other direction. We decided to have another family meeting. We talked about the importance of taking medication and eating healthy. And the things that we had in place for six to seven, eight months needed to be updated. And this is when we looked at the financial part. Do we have the money to pay for someone? We see they're not healthy. They're not eating as they should and they're not taking their medication or at least my mom's not. She's not taking her medication regularly. So we need to bring in some help. And Mm -hmm. this is when we had the conversation of, you know, we want you to be safe. We want you to be Mm -hmm. healthy. And we we know we have the money to help do that. Wes and I work and we can be over here sometimes, but not all the time. This mm-hmm. was an easy conversation for my dad, a very hard one for my mom. My mom actually locked the door and told the lady, we don't need your help. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I kept telling Denise, I said, please just hang in there with me. I promise. Hang in there with me. I know you're the right person. She hung in there with us and she was there with my dad until the very last day that we took him to the hospital before he passed away. He actually Aww. didn't get to die at home. And I hate that, but that's a, you know, that's, it is what it right. is. You so would have, if you, if you could, if we could have, it, it just, yep. just was not possible. But yep. um, yeah, so these are the things that we moved into that next phase, that hard. And, and my mom didn't like it. And she did not like it when she came there, she would give, um, Denise a really hard time, which again was like your mother. This is not my mother, mm-hmm. but Denise that was my grandmother. Yeah. My it, grandmother, I mean, sorry, your was grandmother. Like but yes. um, this is, it was this is like who her. they become this way, especially mm-hmm. the woman, because you're in their domain, you're doing their job. So right. it was a beautiful thing. Denise would go, Miss Faye, 
Now, which when do you put the softener in, Miss Faye? Now, how did you how do you like towels folded? I like them folded this way. You know, there wasn't somebody that came in that took over. We were so blessed that Denise came in and said, "But show me where things are. How mm-hmm. do you do things? Well, what are you up to doing the laundry today, or would you like for me to help you with the laundry today?" Mm-hmm. Um, and just it just was a beautiful thing, and I know it's because we bathed it in prayer and we never rushed anything. Uh, my heart hurts for somebody that has that quick, sudden thrown yeah. into the fire thing. We did not yeah. have that. It was a beautiful waltz into the end of their life. And mm. I would pray that for anyone. And I realize that these are ideal situations, not, you know, they're not going to be, it's not going to be this sure. way for everyone. So just prepare at this phase for that opposition. And this is a phase two where you might, ask, you might at this point, Start that online banking in your name with your login. You start um, the auto pays. This is what we did with my mom. She was pri- she worked at a bank. She prided herself in balancing her checkbook and everything. So I started taking the bills when they came home, and I would bring them home with me, and I would add them to my uh, to the auto pay in their account. So yeah. the bills just stopped coming to her house. They came to my house. I put a change of address. She never even knew it until Mm -hmm. one day she brought it up and she said, I'm just not getting the mail that I used to get. And I said, really, why do you think that is? And she said, I don't know. I'm just not getting anything. I said, wow. I said, I'll check into that. And so that allowed me to go, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I started taking, I took this bill and I started doing it online. It was just one less thing for you to have to worry about. Was that okay? And at this point, she has seen, oh, yes, it is okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it's like I said, it was just a beautiful, blessed season that we had um, that had its bumps. It had its hard places, but God blessed my brother and I honoring our parents. And I know some of the things that my mom said and did were not her. And I didn't get upset with her. Now, I'm not going to tell you I did it perfect, Jill. No. I'm not going to tell you I didn't get upset because I did. But I, I will say I would not do it in front of them. I would go to another part of the room or I would step outside and act like I was taking a phone call or something like that. Yeah, just to be able to keep honoring them and not <laughs> right. let just, your emotions lead the way. And, yeah. you know. I know I tried to get my dad to pay his bills online before he, and he wasn't missing anything, but it was just, he was having trouble with his handwriting, like writing checks. My mother was too, yes. And I just was like, dad, you really don't even have to write checks these days. We can set this up. And he just, he really was leery of that. And so eventually he and mom worked it out that mom would write the checks. Like he was kind of in charge of it, but mom would write the checks and help him do that. And that's what they worked out. You know, they worked it out together. And then when dad passed away, I said to my mom, I've been trying to get dad to, to pay his bills online. Would you like for me to set that up for you? And she said, absolutely. And do you know, I was just there about two weeks ago and she said, Jill, I am so glad you taught me how to set up Mm. my 
all my online payments. She said, I know dad was leery of that, but I'm so glad you did because it just makes my life easier. Exactly. So yeah, so you may have one parent that's open to it, one that's not like Mm -hmm. I did, and you have to work with that. But I think that that's important. One of the things, let's go back here to talking about care. Now we've never, we didn't have the experience of having to bring in care. At the end of my dad's life, um, the doctors did want to put him on hospice and we did have to find hospice care and we had that all arranged. He was to actually enter hospice on the day he passed away. Wow. So we went through the process of finding hospice and setting it up and all of that, but we never had to use it. So one of the things you and I talked about in our pre-conversations is uh, just putting feelers out there. Like this is when Facebook comes in handy, having a personal Facebook page and going, Absolutely. Hey, you know, because I, I put some feelers out there uh, with some friends of mine that I know her, whose parents had been through hospice and in the area. And I think you put some feelers out there to find Denise right? Uh This gal that Uh um, sometimes that's Uh better than going through a service is to put out some feelers and go, Hey, has anybody had a home health care aid that they have loved um, that they would recommend? Yeah. There's a lot out there. Uh Right. Did anybody use a hospice service that you would highly recommend? That's sometimes one of the best places to find those resources. (laughs) Absolutely. Hospice has different like different counties have different hospice offices. So mm-hmm. one office might, a friend might've had a really good experience with where another one that might be closest to your parents did not have a good experience. So you don't have to necessarily interview the hospice as closest to your house. Hospice and even palliative care, which is kind of the step right before hospice, all that has to be set up, signed off as a phys- through your physician. You can't yeah. just call hospice and sign up for it. So just kind of as an aside, if you weren't aware of that, that is done through your physician. And again, another reason why you really want to have a good relationship with your parents' primary caregiver. Um, Another resource that is really good, if you haven't thought of it, is the Council for Aging in the county that your parents live in. Their services are different per county and different per state. So uh, every, every county and every state has the Council for Aging. Um, it's a great resource. Mm-hmm. My parents' church has a, a, a very large senior adult ministry. We went to my parents' senior adult pastor and said, what nursing homes would you not send your parents to? When yeah. we got to that point where we might have to do this with my father, where yep. would you not send them? And do mm-hmm. you have any recommendations for um, in-home health care workers? So your, your church is also another great resource. And if your church, their church doesn't have it, look for a larger church in the community where they live. People mm-hmm. are very willing to help when it comes to caring for adult uh, aging parents because that's what we're supposed to be doing. So there's a, there are resources out there to be to be had. Um, I we interviewed um, like Home Instead and some of those other places, but there are agencies that do take a big chunk of that money out for themselves. Mm-hmm. When you can find some CNAs or some retired RNs that want to do this on their own and they're out there, you just have to start putting feelers out. And we interviewed several and we just 
I don't want to say we got lucky. We got blessed by having angels. We really did. Good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So yeah, that that's going to be important is kind of networking to find those resources. You know, if you have siblings, uh, working with your siblings to divide up yeah. responsibilities, like you said, you called in the morning, your brother called in the evening. Um, you know, if you're an only child, that may not be possible. Or if you have siblings that aren't helpful, um, yeah. honestly, this is where you got to put your Jesus on. Uh, don't let your heart oh, yeah. get tangled up. Uh, Because if you're if you're not careful and you don't have the right heart, you know, you can really uh, things can go sideways in families at this point. And so you don't want you don't want to do that. Um, You don't want to burn any bridges in the midst of this. Uh -uh. But you also have to make sure that you ask for help. You don't hint for help. Right. And you don't suggest and you're not passive aggressive Mm -hmm. with comments like, well, I wish I had the freedom to not worry about mom and dad. That isn't asking. Mm -mm. You kindly, directly ask for what you need. And Mm -hmm. more times than not, if we are assertive, not aggressive, if we are assertive and more times than not, we're going to get a positive response. But, mm-hmm. you know, you may you may not. But I think that that is super important. And yes, somebody oftentimes kind of has to run point on mm-hmm. on this kind of stuff. Usually one child will pick up point on this and then um, invite the others into sharing some of the responsibility. Absolutely. That's a great point. Before we leave this, um, I think that, you know, we're talking about really kind of becoming more caregivers. And that's what you certainly, I think you had to do that even more than I have had to do that. Because my mother is 80, let's see, is she 83? She'll be 84 this year. And she is still, she's in excellent health. Just went to the Holy Land six months ago. So at 84, I'm like, I hope I have your spunk, mama, at 84. Uh Don't we all? But when you are that caregiver, you got to take care of yourself. So I think that's the other thing. Sometimes you got to take things off your plate. I know I took some things off my plate in Uh that year that I was making lots of trips to Indianapolis to help my mom care for my dad, um, recognizing your limitations. Like you guys got to the place of going this, like you were making meals and it got to the place where it was like too much. Mm -hmm. Right. And you had Mm -hmm. to recognize your limitations and to recognize that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Mm -mm. And, and you've also got to be willing to accept help. Absolutely. You've got to take care of yourself. And especially me, I was the point person on this and I would have groceries delivered to them. Even uh, when Denise was there, I would say groceries are coming from Aldi between 11 and 12. You know, I made sure they had the food. I didn't have to be the one to take it there. And I did. I said no to a lot of things uh, because I knew that this is such a short season. You know, when we're raising our children, we think, oh, my gosh, this is going on forever. Uh, But the days are long and the years are short. It's the same thing with caring for your parents and helping them finish Mm. well is those days are long, but that is a short, short window of time that you have with your parents. And I remember just driving down the road recently going over to my home where I grew up and I hadn't been there in a while and just 
pulling down their main road, I just started weeping. My hand was on my gear shift, Jill. And I remember, I just, I remembered flashback of my dad's Mm. hand being on my hand. When I would put my Mm. hand on the gear shift, he would hold my hand. And I can't, I, I will never, ever be able, I could not pay enough money for somebody to take care of my parents and not experience that moment and not have that memory. Mm. So whatever you have to put aside, it's only for a season. It's only for a season. And don't, we pray that today's conversation helps you think of this as a blessing and not a burden. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And again, we're not experts. We're just sharing from our own experiences. Mm -hmm. Do your own research. Check with the local council for aging. Consult a senior adult insurance agent. Study the laws of your state for real estate planning. Our hope, though, is by having this conversation is to help you to know of the things that you need to be thinking of so you can help your parents to finish well and so that Mm -hmm. you can finish well yourself and not leave your kids in a a difficult uh, scenario as well. So we've talked about conversations to have up front, things to be thinking about for yourself, for helping your parents. We've talked about when they need help, when they need additional care. And um, at some point, life on this earth comes to an end. Um, I call that when my dad moved to heaven. That was his move to heaven. And then you begin to deal with the death piece of things and the journey of grief and uh, the business of dying. There is a business to it. So mm-hmm. let's talk about a few of those things, about things that you and I both were like, I had no idea um, and uh, lessons learned and all of that, um, because at some point uh, you then have to start dealing with that side of the journey. And so obviously you know, when someone passes away, uh, a funeral home is uh, selected and and they often lead you. That funeral home will lead you. But there are some things that they don't always tell you. In fact, you educated me um, <laughs> on something I had never even thought about with the obituary, right? Oh, because obituaries, shot. yes, they are so expensive. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. And yeah, they told um, us it was like seven seven dollars a line, and we we're like, oh, that's no big deal. But remember the columns are small. So ours ended up being four hundred and fifty dollars. For an obituary. Four hundred and fifty I mean, it's robbery at the end of your life, the end of your parents' life. You're in all of these moments of decision making and you find out you've got the whole thing filled out online and you find out it's $450 and you're thinking, well, I can't go cheap on dad's obit. I can't go cheap on mom's obit. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so So one of the things you said that you learned (laughs) is that you can just give the basics and then you can actually put a link to the online obituary at the funeral home Yes, and save yourself a lot of money. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Old people like to read obituaries. That's a great way to save money right there at the end because they're going to say, oh, well, just put, you know, 
oh no, don't do that. Do do this. <laughs> Save yourself some money. <laughs> yeah, that had never even crossed my mind with the obituary piece. When my father, uh, his last few days were spent in the hospital and I was actually at a speaking engagement as well. And I got the call that dad was had been taken to the hospital by ambulance. They had intubated him. Uh, they had revived him. After that happened, he said he did not ever want that to happen again. Like he was like, he put himself on a DNR, do not resuscitate. And so I left my speaking, I, I did my speaking, but I was supposed to stay the whole weekend for the event. And as soon as I was done with my part, I went to uh, the hospital and drove back to Indianapolis. And I walked in the door and gave my dad a big hug and a kiss. And he said, Jill, I want you to help me write my obituary. And I was like, well, hello, dad. And how are you? (laughs) Like, wow, that was a greeting. (laughs) Oh, my. And he said, well, you're the writer in the family. And I really want I want you to help me do that. And so I was like, well, dad, I would be honored to do that. I mean, I, I held back so many tears in that process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we, you know, we talked about so many things. I'm, I was so glad that I had the opportunity. We didn't get it completely written before he passed away, but I had enough of it written that I was able to finish that up. So grateful for that. Okay. Death certificates. Death certificates. You need lots of them because they'll ask you, how many death certificates do you need? You need probably 15 to 20. And, and, and most places won't take a copy. They have to have the original with the stamp, with the seal yes, on it. Correct. And they're, yes. And I, you're going to tell that they're cheaper to buy them right there at the funeral home when you're making your arrangements. Because afterwards, when you purchase them later, they're probably 10 to $15 more than they were right then at that moment. So the answer is yes, I need them. And I need 15 to 20. Yeah. Exactly. Because you Mm -hmm. said at your funeral home, they were $10 a piece. But if you got them afterwards through the county, they were $27. Yes. So Mm -hmm. that was a big difference. And yes, why do you need them? You need them to close accounts. You need them to get life insurance. You need them. Mm -hmm. All of those. You need them to stop services. Um, right. Because they need proof of death. You need them mm-hmm. to, if, if there's a, a, like in the case of my father passed away, but my mother's still living. Well, we needed them for social security and mm-hmm. to get all of those things set up for hit, you know, all of that. So yeah, you Everything. need lots. lots Even if of you're on the account, you still have to have a death certificate to prove that your mother or father is no longer living. Mm hmm. Exactly. So um, another thing uh, that you mentioned was go to the bank and get some cash, especially if you're already on their accounts and you have the ability Mm -hmm. to access. This is where you being a benefit or not a beneficiary, actually being on the account, Mm -hmm. either a beneficiary or being on the account makes a difference because then you have access to their finances and you can you'll need cash to pay the minister, the singers to get food, to pay for the funeral to get flowers. If you're going to put flowers on the casket, all of that is. And I don't mean like a hundred dollars. I mean, I'm talking about get as like with, with my, with my mom, I think we ended up getting $10,000 out, which was a lot of money. We didn't spend it all, but we had it if we Mm -hmm. needed it. So Mm -hmm. get in the thousands, if you can, 
um, get that and then just put it aside and use that and just pay for cut. You're going to need food. You're going to need somebody. So I'm going to go get something. Well, here, here's, here's a hundred dollars. Go get us a nugget tray from Chick-fil-A uh, in a, in a, and a gallon of lemonade. I mean, you're going to need that. It's, it's amazing what comes up to go buy a, a, a new shirt because dad didn't have one for the casket, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just, there's, mm-hmm. there, you just don't even know what you need it for. You just need to get as much as you can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Obviously you plan the funeral, the celebration of life. You do that usually in conjunction with either the funeral home or the church. Um, in the case of my dad, he wanted his funeral. He wanted everything at the church. That was really important to him. He had been the choir director there for well over 60 years. I didn't know and, that, Jill. How cool. Oh, he started Aww. when he was 17. Oh, he became the wow. choir director when he was 17 and he did not stop until right before he was 80. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, Man, I know. So I wasn't a preacher's kid, but I might as well have been because I was yeah. the choir director's kid and he was there yeah. every time the church doors were open. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things if you're not aware of there is you have to select a casket and the emotional part of that. That's not easy. Um, and that's also a place where you get sticker shock, you know, uh, because they obviously are in the business to make money and you want, you know, you feel this pressure to do the best for mom and dad. And yet the reality is it's going to be in the ground or they're going to be cremated in it. I mean, there are caskets that, you know, if they choose cremation, you can, you know, the funeral home can do a less expensive casket for that um, as well. And also um, they expect payment at the time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And they will take your life insurance policy and hold it and take payment and then send you the rest of the life insurance. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. going to get paid right then. Yes. So expect that there's not an argument. There's not a discussion. It's not all oh, the one down the road doesn't do that. Every funeral home expects to be paid right then. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's where also having access to the mm-hmm. bank accounts, you know, uh, my, my husband's father passed away several years ago and he pra- passed away destitute. I mean, he had no money. So the four kids, my uh, husband, his sister, and then Mark's two half brothers, the four had, we had to all pitch in to pay for the funeral because there was no life insurance. There was no bank accounts. There was nothing. And, you know, that we, we learned uh, big lessons on, you know, the realities of having to do a funeral on, uh, on a budget, I guess you could say, yes, um, yes. because uh, none of us had a whole lot uh, of resources ourselves. And uh, so we had we had to all pitch in and make that happen. And, you know, have somebody go with you. Uh, don't do that by yes. yourself. No. Have somebody go with you to to hear the details, to help take notes, to write things down. Mm-hmm. You need several ears uh, right. to as record you're the conversation decisions. if you need to. Yes. Yes. It's okay. Exactly. 
Exactly. And then once you are past the funeral, you are beginning to do, you're now on what what we call the grief side and the administrative side of things. Jill, can I pause one second? One thing that I wanted to, to mention is my parents, though they had a burial plot Uh, a mausoleum place beforehand, they chose that it was already prepaid. They chose to be cremated in their Mm. last 15 years. They decided they wanted to be cremated for the sole reason of the other one would need the money. We would need the uh, money to take care of the one that was remaining. Gotcha. So when mom was gone, we could have spent 12 to $15,000 on a funeral or we could have used that money to take care of my dad. And so they made that decision mm-hmm. to have as much money possible to take care of the remaining um, spou- mm-hmm. their spouse. Um, and if you are inclined to cremation, that's what your parents wanted or that's what you've decided. Um, one of the other thing that we did, were not aware of um, that I want to make sure everybody's aware of is that yes. every time the body is moved, you're charged. Mm-hmm. So you're charged from that body to be moved to, um, from the hospital to the funeral home. But if that funeral home does not have its own crematorium, they're going to charge you to, to go take the body to mm. the crematorium and they will charge you to bring it back. So if you are going to choose cremation, choose a place that has a cremation, a crematorium on site. So your mm. the body is only transported the one time. Again, this is not something they tell you in in the fine print. This right. is something that we learned through our senior, my parents' senior pastor um, said, okay, this one has the crematorium on site. And this is why you want to use one on site. Um, wow. Otherwise, you're going to, you're going to get there and you're going to say, oh, uh, oh, I had to pay for them. You know, oh, it's a significant fee to have the body moved each time. So right. if you're going to do the cremation or if you're going to go through the process of cremation, Mm. make sure that you find a funeral home that has a crematorium on site and you're not paying for body transport each and every time. um, That's so helpful. Yeah. So that's why we're doing this. I mean, just little things like that so that you, those are the things that we, they're not talked about. Mm -mm. All right. So let's turn the corner to this last part of the conversation, the grief side, the administrative side. First grief. Uh, There is no right. There is no wrong. There is no Uh -uh. normal time frame. No. I mean, Uh -uh. here we are almost three years from when my dad passed away and I can still have a memory or a thought and the the tears, the emotion wells up because I miss him. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, just allowing yourself the time for whatever it is that you need, I think is super important. What would you add about the grief journey for you? Don't try to stuff it um, Mm. and don't try to hide it. Like, I mean, my children were older. I mean, I have adult children, so it's completely different. Um, So I don't know if I would handle exactly the same as if they were little, but you want them, you want your family to see you grieve because you are giving your family permission to grieve also. Um, when you stuff it and put it down and you, you know, have your cry somewhere else and they never, your children never see you process grief. They're not going to learn how to process grief. 
you're going to teach your children how to do lots of things in life. Teach them how to change a tire, teach them how to change the oil in car, how to wash clothes, how to iron a shirt, teach them mm-hmm. how to grieve, teach them mm-hmm. a proper way to grieve. You have taught them how to take care and finish well, help their parents, help your parents finish well. They've, they've lived, see you live that out. Let your children see you grieve. Now you're going to have some deeper moments, some big old ugly cries that maybe you don't want mm-hmm. them to see. And that's okay mm-hmm. because children, when they see their caregiver distraught, they don't know what to do with that. That's, that's something they're not capable of processing, but they're capable mm-hmm. of processing loss and tears. Yes. So yes. teach them how to grieve. Teach your children how to grieve um, yes. and let yourself grieve whenever. My husband, like I said, his mom died in between my parents. And sometimes at night, we're just sitting there and we'll just start talking. And we both just sit there and cry. I still have my dad's wallet in my purse because I can't take it out. The last time I had him with me, he said, I forgot my billfold. And I said, it's okay, dad, I've got money. I'll pay. If you need something, I'll buy it and you can pay me back, which that's not what would happen, but that made him feel good. And he said, I really want to have it. And I said, okay. I went back inside. It was pouring down rain. It was cold, but I went back inside and I got his billfold. That's what he called it, his billfold. Mm. And I said, he said, I had already buckled him in the car. And he said, well, I can't get it in my my pocket. And I said, well, Mm -hmm. let me put it in my purse. So when you need it, you just ask me and I'll give it to you. Um, Everything's still in there. All his cards are still in there. My pictures are in there. My children's pictures, my niece, they're in there. And Mm -hmm. I just, every now and then I'm in the parking lot somewhere and I'm getting something out of my billfold and it's there. And I just let myself have a moment. Yeah. And it's yep. okay. It's okay. It and is. It's, it's, it's okay. And if your parent dies, um, in, in a, in a way that you seems, un, you think it's unfair and you're upset with God, you're mad at God. That's part of it too. Even Jesus said, Hey dad, if there's another way you can do this, can we do it another way? Even Jesus mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. last day, ask God for another way. So we can honestly say that even Jesus said, Hey, wait a minute, this hurts. This is going to be painful. So if our savior understands that moment, then he's going to understand your questions, your pain, your, your frustration, your anger. He can handle all of that. Don't let it take a bitter, a root in you and grow bitterness and draw you from God. Let grief yeah. work its rhythm and work its way in your life and let it grief is part of the healing process, I believe, yeah. and um, allow it to work, do its work. And it's going to take some people longer than others. Right, Jill? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and there's there's no right or wrong. Um, I think my mother grieved so much the last year of my dad's life because they were not living the normal that they had lived for so long. And, and so honestly, after he passed away, it felt like she kind of moved on quickly. And she's often, I mean, we've talked about it, we've processed it. And she's like, I think I did all my grief, so much of my grieving before because it wasn't our best life. So I was grieving that before. And, 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 you know, even us going to Florida, you know, some might look at that and say, how could you do that? You could take off and go to Florida four days after a, a funeral. 
it was the best thing for her. That's what she wanted to do. I just put the suggestion out there, uh, honestly thinking she would say no. But she, I mean, we had already blocked off the time on the calendar. We could do it. And she has thanked me for that so many times. And so I, I think we have to resist the urge to judge our siblings or to judge our spouse because they're going to process it differently than we do. And um, so we need to let people be people. And, and in the, I would say the other piece is when one is left behind is just letting them talk, you know, letting them kind of take the lead. Some don't want to get rid of things right away and others mm-hmm. want to get rid of things right away. Oh, my dad did. Both, he was, yeah. Both are fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not yeah. right or wrong. Mm-mm. So you got to take your cues from them as to, you know, what would you like to do? And I know my mom, the weekend, everybody was home for the funeral. She told all the boys in the family, I want you to go through grandpa's closet. Is there anything that you want? And, you know, I mean, they benefited from his belts and some of his shirts and things like that. And she was like, I'd rather you have them than anyone else. Now, somebody else might not be able to part with things that quickly. So you have to you have to let them take the lead. But, you know, I I think we've just got to let ourselves we've got to let people be true to themselves. Absolutely. And then there's a business side of, of, of this too, is you've got the emotional side, but you've got the business side. You've got to make sure that the paperwork's done. You've got to stop those auto drafts for your bills. You've got to stop the paper. You've got to maybe even go to the post office and do a change of address. So mail then starts coming to you or to one of your siblings. Those kinds of things have got to be taken care of. There's a business side of it that we can't forget about. Stop payments, file for insurance payouts, social security, pension, all of those things. And again, that goes back to the beginning of our conversation where we said, the more you are prepared ahead of time, the more your name is on things or beneficiaries are set up or you have access to their accounts or you're set up as someone who uh, can do things on the account. Yes, that takes some time up front, but if that's all done, it sure helps on the back end with that administrative side of death Mm -hmm. and all the accounting that needs to take place after death. So it really is a big full circle that we've come uh, as we talked about some of those things up front. Nobody likes to talk about death um, because we we like life most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are days I long for heaven, but in general, we enjoy life and we don't want to talk about it. But the reality is our life on this earth only lasts a limited time. And so we can help prepare for that. Um, we can help prepare our loved ones for that. And mm-hmm. and we've really come full circle with it. Yeah. So, wow, that was a lot. It was a a big conversation we had. I'm just sitting here watching the time going, wow, but we did a good job packing it all in, Jill. 
We did. We did. I hope for those of you that are listening that this has been helpful for you. These really are things that we wish we would have known. We wish we would have heard somebody talk about it. And hopefully because of this conversation, you'll be a little bit better equipped than we were. Mm -hmm. So as we bring things to a close, Wendy, would you be willing to just uh, close out our time in prayer? I certainly will. I'll be glad Mm -hmm. to. Thank you. Um, Father, we just thank you for, um, for media. We thank you for this outlet that we, um, can take advantage of to, um, encourage one another, um, all over the world. This is just amazing to me. Um, and this is something that um, is on our hearts, mine and Jill's heart. And we, our heart is to help. And we pray, Lord, that um, the words that we have said today have been pleasing to you, first and foremost, and that they have been um, uh, informative to everyone that listens today. And if what we've said here mm-hmm. today can help make mm-hmm. one person's journey and um, this experience of, of finishing well, um, we will have counted it as accomplished and a success. And um, so we just, we love you and we, we love our life here, but we, we want to do our best to finish well. And those of us that are yes. at, at the age that Jill and I and Mark and Scott, our husbands are, we um, have so many that will be listening that are our age um, that we would, take our own advice and that we would um, put these things into practice. And um, I just want to lift every person up right now. That's actually caring for a parent um, that you would um, strengthen and give them resolve that they need. Um, let them see the joy, show them joy and helping mom into the car, or helping dad out of the car, into the wheelchair, um, securing that seat belt um, as they get in and travel or taking them out for lunch. And that, um, Lord, you would just um, part the sea of, of responsibilities for this person so that their window of opportunity to care for and enjoy these moments with their parents would open up and it would be clear to them the path that they should go. And thank you for professionals who are in position to help to answer questions that we can't answer. All the experts that are out there ready to help. We are so grateful for them because all knowledge and wisdom ultimately comes from you, whether it's acknowledged or not, you provide all of that. And we are so grateful. So Take, Lord, what um, the offering that Jill and I have made today and use it to bless and encourage and to educate and to help everyone who listens. And we love you. We just love you so much. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.